0: The opinions and views expressed in this video are purely for entertainment purposes and not for investment advice.
1: Hello, YouTube. We are back. Welcome to the 27th episode of the Jacked of All Trade podcast. My name is Brandon. I'm the Bull of Bay Street. And as always, I'm here with David and Kalen. Guys, how you doing all the way over in Canada?
2: (laughs) Probably not as uh, not as nice and sunny as you are there in Florida.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good over here, just enjoying the weather, and it's nice to have a nice change in scenery. But how about yeah. we just get right into it and start off with the market recap. Let's do it. So it was a holiday-shortened week as US indices were closed on Monday due to the 4th of July holiday. We closed right where we left off last week with the NASDAQ and the S&P at all-time record highs guys i am not getting tired of saying those words all time recognized <laughs> yeah with that yeah. said the dow and tsx are continuing to trade sideways and i think we should look into that in just a little bit but let's talk about some key events for the week firstly the release of the federal reserve minutes on wednesday where we learned one that inflation is transitory and two that we're making a slow and steady recovery in the labor markets. Everything here met market expectations. What is interesting, however, is more talk about reducing the size of the balance sheet and a reduction in monthly bond purchases. Personally, I think it's all talk and no action. I call it Fed posturing. The Fed likes to do that a lot where they continue to say something meeting after meeting to kind of get the market ready and not catch anybody off guard. I think it's really nice that they do that. It makes for a very smooth and orderly transition when they actually do do something. So nothing tremendously noteworthy there. Uh, and that's why I think the market reaction was um, rather muted in response. Does anyone want to add anything to the Fed minutes or uh, the Fed policy?
0: Yeah, I know. There's a few economists that I follow that I kind of like. I've I've completely disagree with their their assessment this week because they all seem to have flipped. their it's like their opinion changes. Um, based on what's happening in the market, right? So it's like when the bonds are selling off, everyone's like, "Oh, inflation is coming, inflation is coming," and then now the bonds are being bought up. They're like, they're, their whole narrative has changed, right? And it's just like if you, so for me, it's like if a person's going to be wishy-washy like that, I, how much, how much leverage can I put into? How much stock can I put into what you, what they're saying, right? So it's kind of been a disappointing week for me. Ken, your
2: thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm far from an expert in economics and bonds and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, like, just, just from what I'm seeing in news articles and stuff like that, it, it literally just seems like all these guys are that are making these comments are just following the day to day, you know, if, if bonds are down, then they're, that's what they're talking about, you know, bonds are down, and this is what's happening. And then the next day, if they're bouncing, they say, Oh, everything's turned around. And now this is happening. And then they sell off the next day, you know, it's just like, Every day, it's just like kind of it's you know it's just almost like a daily recap of what happened in that little snapshot. It's not really like a big picture thing, from what I'm seeing. I agree with
1: that. Yeah, Sorry I think it's really important to follow the bond market for sure. I always say uh, the bond market's the smartest market out there, but you definitely can't be watching the daily gyrations. You got to watch the long term trend of these things. And yields are going down, like it's a long term secular trend here. Um, so for people uh, a couple weeks ago, they were calling for like 2 or 3% on the U.S. 10-year. To me, that was just uh, crazy. And we've just been reiterating on this show uh, the rotation from value to growth. And uh, um, at least David and I were having that talk in private and in public several times about how we envision more of a lower rate and lower yield environment for years to come lower for longer as they say so yeah a lot of guys on twitter and a lot of economists or strategists are talking about uh now they're talking about um yields going down but that's really just no surprise to me i think everything that the fed said um at least to the three of us it made a lot of sense i I Mm -hmm. think a lot
0: of them just like suffering from like a bit of ego like they made some bold bold proclamations out there and it didn't work out that way now they're scrambling to kind of like make the weak reality fit what they're saying Mm -hmm. Uh, that's i think that's the disappointing part for me
2: yeah i feel like it's a it's a tr- it's probably a tricky spot to be in too because like i just think of like you know i think of myself as a trader and stuff like that like i don't i don't really like calling stuff and and predicting the future because nobody can do that right like it's a, a, like anybody who's a trader and investor it's all best guess right it's all your own education your own data you're putting together and it's just the best guess right the market could do the complete opposite of what you think it's going to do or what it should do right so there's no way to really accurately forecast like for any of us you know even the three of us like we we make our best calls and that's pretty much all we can do and like same with these other guys right but it's probably i think it's got a big psychological component too when you think about it that you know think of you're you're the guy on the news who like everybody's listening to and like you have to say something because they're like okay you're on the news tonight you have to say something right so you can't just go on there and be like well i i still kind of think it's what was happening before like you know you got to you got to you got to elaborate you got to give some more information like you know the details get people talking so it's like that's why you know we've said a few times on this show like news and stuff like that there's there's such an element of like of just news like there there has to be some like gossip for lack of a better term in what they're saying and then it's it's taking what they're saying kind of reading between the lines doing your background research and that's how you get to the actual like the actual facts and the answers behind it
0: yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, that's what I
1: love about this show is we're just giving the straight facts and we're just talking as, uh, you know, a group of buddies that have a deep interest in the financial markets and uh, there's no hidden narrative. Um, there's no um, ulterior motives here. We're just uh, talking about the markets and just uh, saying it like it is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, I like it too. I mean, like all three of us have said, we've learned so much from each other because we all have different trading styles, different indicators different connections and we just kind of pool our different ideas together and if we're all kind of coming to the same conclusion from three different angles then we kind of assume that we're on the right track
1: <laughs> exactly and when we do disagree it uh, makes for some good conversation and allows us to kind of see things through different lenses. yeah for yeah sure.
0: yeah like like we we the times that we disagree i learn a lot i gotta say
2: Yeah, kind of like like yesterday, was it, you sent me, it was Air Canada, you saying you wanted short Air Canada, and it was was a completely different stock, and you're like, oh, yeah, I think this thing's broken down, I was like, no, (laughs) that's a terrible chart, and then I'm looking, I'm like, oh, on the TSX, and then I pull it up, I'm like, okay, yeah, now I can see
0: it. I blame that on your habit of looking at a ticker instead of the company
2: name. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't usually read the company name, just the letters.
1: Yeah, that's uh, day trading problems, isn't it?
2: (laughs) Yeah, short-term trading problems 101 right there.
1: Exactly. Um, Um, I I think that's a good uh, sort of segment to move on. You're talking about Air Canada, um, and um, we should definitely talk about what happened in the markets on Thursday because Thursday mm -hmm. was a really interesting day for global markets. It was a volatile one as new coronavirus fears surrounding the Delta and Lambda strains caused a pretty significant market sell-off. I'm not sure what the exact catalyst was. It could have been the news about Japan banning fans from attending the events at the Olympics this summer, but Asia led the declines on Wednesday evening. And in response, the next day, Wall Street gapped down hard at the open. At the one point, the Dow was down about 600 points. Hmm. The markets did recover. Uh, But I think we need to understand really what led us lower. And I think it was stocks like the airlines, uh, the cyclicals and the epicenter stocks. I really hope that none of our viewers are surprised by that because ever since coming on this show, I've reiterated my bear stance on the cyclicals countless times and the reopening stocks. And we've all made the case for investing in high quality non-cyclical and growth companies um, like Amazon which is actually interesting uh, that despite the broad market weakness uh, reached all time price highs $3,700 a share, I remain bullish on that. Um, but I think we just need to recognize something's happening with the markets right now, something deeper, there really is a rotation from value to growth right now. And, you know, although the markets did recover, you know, Friday was a great day today, the Dow was up 400 points, the Nasdaq was up like 140 points. I think now is not the time to be throwing caution to the wind. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked about market breadth a few months ago, and I was super happy about that. We were seeing everything participating, and that's just not the case right now. Energy, financials, industrials, materials. um, Definitely later on want to hear your take on the small cap and how they've been responding, but generally I don't think that's been very good. and uh despite markets hitting all-time highs almost daily n- no one not everybody's participating um do you guys have any thoughts on that on just market breadth and how it's really just been the big cap tech stocks leading the way
0: um do you have any thoughts on because I, I have some thoughts on the psychology behind it so i don't know if you're seeing it in the charts but like the the way I'm looking at it is because the markets are near all time highs, it's almost, I think there's a group of investors out there kind of looking for a reason to sell off. And so mm-hmm. they're taking any catalyst that they can, right? And and we even forgot to mention this week, we had the uh, the China thing, they they clamped down hard on Didi. And so a lot of the China stocks, um, they they got sold down too. So it's like, there's a couple of things that happened, but no, I, I don't think we could point at any one incident, but like there's a couple of things that happened within a short time span. And I, I honestly think the market just reacted because it was like, it is at all time high number. So everyone's kind of looking for a reason to to, to size out a little bit, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that definitely has something to do with it. Because, you know, you got to look
2: way back too for the long term investment, like guys that were buying kind of near the bottom of 2020, right? Like you're, you're talking like massive percentage gains pretty much across the board, right? So, you know, we, we had that big run up in 2020, we consolidated for a while. Now we've had this this next leg up, so you know at some point there is going to be certain people taking profits, and that's you know that's just that's just healthy. I mean, there's going to be a lot more people on the flip side of that who are watching it go up, just you know begging and waiting for a pullback so they can buy into it, right? So it's it's the same old thing that the market always does, right? You know, people take profits, and then everybody who missed the big move they're just eagerly waiting to buy that pullback. So I think, in my opinion, if as long as you're in the right stocks and you're on the right side of the market, then you you know you just hang on and ride those dips out and you'll be okay like anything that has to do with with reopening or you know like airlines like i've said that you know i was saying that months ago still like all that stuff the cruise lines like oh you know you think they're going to go through the roof when everything reopens and like to me it's just like that's kind of that's kind of like a hold and hope scenario like you're just you're betting on this virus you're betting on the world that you know you don't really know what's going to happen you don't know if people are going to get sicker you don't know if it's going to shut down again like there's way too many just gambles and what ifs for me personally to be comfortable putting my money in something like that. And I just, I just don't think that's a safe bet. I mean, it might pay off huge, but it could also fire big. And I don't, I don't
1: like that kind of stock personally. So I agree with both of your sentiments there. Um, but when we're talking about taking profits because the market's, you know, been running for so long, I see that with the cyclical stocks because the cyclical stocks, they were on a tear. You know, January, February, March, they led the way. And these stocks are way stretched above their, you know, 50 or their 200 day moving averages, and they need some time to sort of catch up and consolidate. Um, I think it's more of a reversion to the mean towards the downside. But then you have stocks like, for example, Amazon, which was consolidating for a year, and it's literally the best company in the world. Um, And you literally had a year. Uh, It was a buy on a silver platter. You were able to buy it from like twenty eight hundred to like thirty five hundred for a year, and now it's just starting to break out. So I think we're just going to see flows towards that, and I think a lot of the fast money is going to say, "Hey, um, what I'm in right now is not working. Why don't I bail and go on something that's actually working?" Hmm, Amazon, like thirty seven, thirty eight hundred, four thousand. That seems like a great buy. Yeah. So I think, um, like with Amazon, it's just the beginning. We're in literally the first inning of this advancing phase of the NASDAQ. As you guys know, like it was June 22nd, I believe, that we broke out of a six-month consolidation in the NASDAQ, which is really long for an index that has led the way for the last, I want to say, 11 years. And we started this new advancing phase. So I think now's a better time than any, David, to pop up the NASDAQ, and we can uh, look at that. And
0: for anyone that that's good... Uh... Can you got the uh, trading view on right? Yeah. Yeah, up? what's the
2: ticker for that? IXIC, is it? Yeah.
0: I was I-X-IC. I was just going to say um I, I to adding to what you said Brendan, I think um a lot of the money is going into not to quality tech stocks, right? Cuz I noticed I just noticed today that Apple's up like 10%. Like it was it was just it was like flying around the $125 level for like months and it's and I just checked it it's like 145, so it's up like 10% or so. Yeah. I'm like It's interesting that
1: you say that because I actually have context on that because I follow these fang stocks or these big tech stocks like, you know, really, really in depth, of course, because that's my bread and butter, right? And uh, Amazon's literally been consolidating since they announced the uh, new iPhone, the iPhone 12. Uh, That was almost last year at this time, like, let's say, give or take, like, 10 months. So um, it's been consolidating for a really, really long time. And these companies are like major components on ITSIC, on the NASDAQ. Like um, I think Apple's something like 11% of the index. I mean, I, th- I think we're talking NASDAQ 100 here, but still yeah. you got yeah. Amazon, you got Apple, you got Alphabet, Facebook, Microsoft, Nvidia, Tesla, these names, like, you know, six or seven names can move the whole index and really mm-hmm. nothing else matters. And that's why I think the NASDAQ is just, it's the key to the market. It's been leadership in the market since this um, bull market started. I want to say in 2013, when we broke above the um, double top in uh, 2000 and uh, 2007. So uh, the NASDAQ's leadership and always follow leadership.
0: Sam, can you pull? Yeah, there we go. Beautiful.
1: Yeah, is the NASDAQ here. So if you can just uh, hover over uh, June 22nd was the day that I marked. June 22nd, right there. Yeah, so that was a really important day because that marked the breakout above uh, those two failed breakouts. Uh, One, and I believe it was um, May and March and February. So we had a couple of times where we tried to break that uh, 14,000 level. It proved to be pretty strong resistance. And right now, we're running into our first volatility event, as I call it, uh, of this new advancing phase.
0: It looks yeah, it's like like almost a straight line. Sorry, Yeah, nice little pullback
1: there, though. Is that daily? Yeah. Yeah, it's a daily. Nice so recovery. I really daily. like this chart because it's kind of like we're... Stair stepping our way upwards, we take like two, three steps forward and one step back. And I think for the NASDAQ, a volatility event like this is perfectly natural. You have, you know, a couple percent setback. It's sort of uh, a time correction mixed with a price correction in a way. Like you just have to uh, consolidate for a couple days. I think this thing should be through all time highs again in a couple sessions, maybe even the week after. But when you compare it to something like the Dow Jones, which I believe is DJI on TradingView. Yes. Exactly. I see a little bit of a different picture here. We're consolidating here, um, which is all fine, but when you look at the core components of it, I start to get just a little bit worried. Uh, For example, one of the biggest names, if not the biggest name on the Dow is Goldman Sachs, and you can pop that one up, GS. This is a chart that I do not like at all. There's a head and shoulders brewing here. Mm. I want to know what you think about this one, guys. Uh, that the was financials a, are the favorite now. That was a nice. That was a big failed breakout right there. I'm just not sure if financials have the juice to make new highs right now, yeah.
0: especially
1: with the lower yield, lower rate environment. Yeah,
0: that's interesting so what's, the, what's I don't, the bulk of their business? Is it uh, lending? Because they wouldn't have done that much in the last year, 18 months, right? With the lockdown. Well,
1: they do do a lot in investment banking and it's been uh-huh. a big year for um, IPOs for sure. But yeah, I think the lending side of it for sure uh, definitely is big when you know um, rates are so low and they're going to be low for a very long time. We can look at the US 10 year after this. But the other thing is, the economy maybe not being as strong as people initially mm-hmm. thought, and a little bit of decelerating growth next year. We talked about this last time. If we have six percent this year and three percent the next year, and who knows the year after that, um, may not be yet. Yeah. So you got the U.S. ten-year yield right here.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny. This is a, <laughs> this is actually like a beautiful short setup that I like to play, obviously in a much shorter time frame. Really? Can you uh, go into that a little bit? I'm
1: really curious to hear. No, oh,
2: this is like one of my favorite short terms. This is actually this is like one of the ones that I was showing you guys earlier. It's basically you know you look for something that's been downtrending for quite a while. You get this drop off, and then it kind of breaks you know down here. So we have this line, this you know 140s line sort of thing. And then as soon as it breaks that low, you wait for this big bounce to come back up, and then you short it right where it breaks down. So like right here, you see how we had how it was trending down. We had this kind of trend shift where it starts trending back up. Right there at this point, that's where it broke. Right, that's where it broke and reversed again. That's right where I would hit it short every time. And look at that! Like even even it's hilarious. Even on the even on the bonds, that same pattern still works. Yeah, it's funny that it hit it like almost into. Like yeah. So like the way the way that I would play this personally, and like I don't know if it's going to play out like this, is I would basically do something like that. Oh. I would do something like that. And basically like what I would do is I'd start in small here at this level. And then as soon as it as soon as it broke through that uptrend line again, I'd be full size right there. And I'd ride this all the way down to that low. So I'd ride that down to fifty cents if this was me playing this.
1: Okay, so I really think that you're onto something. We have so many factors like um We were talking about this last time, whether it was just, you know, the population and the technology and everything else, which um, sort of is conducive to lower interest rates and lower yields. But the coronavirus fears and fears of more lockdowns and everything else, like, you know, we're not trying to speculate on that. But at the end of the day, I always say, listen to the bond market. And the bond market's definitely trying to tell us something right now. And the bond market, I said this last time again, but I'll say it again is the bond market right now is telling you to buy stocks, it's telling you to buy growth stocks, it's telling you to buy dividend stocks, it is not telling you to buy economically sensitive stocks, which are the exact stocks that sold off on Thursday. And I do not think that this sell off has reached a crescendo. I think we're going to have to revisit this. I think that the NASDAQ could be in good shape, because a lot of the names are less economically sensitive they're non-cyclicals they're going to grow regardless what the economy does but these economically sensitive names and these epicenter stocks they could be in some deep trouble i just I, wanted
0: to point out something interesting like caitlin you were pointing out the pattern that you played right and you like inst- you just instantly recognized it and you knew exactly what to do the yeah. funny thing is like i so the i wanted to point this out because like this is how like how People can use the same tools or not use the same tools. It's like I feel like I'm blind when I can't see the volume because the the bonds don't they don't show the volume, right? And so mm-hmm. like for me, it's it's a huge thing in my in my trades because um, I kind of use it as confirmation. But it, I just yeah. found it interesting that you don't at all. It's like you so you you know that pattern so well.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it depends. Like I'll, I'll use volume. Um, I do use volume. Like I just don't have it up on Trading View. Like I have it up on my actual like DOS Trader thing. I just, to be honest, I just don't know how to use TradingView
1: very well. <laughs> oh, it's, it's Really funny, Caitlin, because you use the exact setup I use. You use uh, two moving averages. Looks like, what is that? Is that a 50 and a 200? Yeah, 50 is the blue, 200 is the yellow. Yeah, so, and then you have some sort of momentum oscillator. What is that, RSI? Just the RSI 14. Perfect. Yeah, this is literally the exact setup I use. I do some other, you know, fancy charts. Like I have an Ichimoku preset, but this mm. is like my favorite preset. I find it just super um just easy to use intuitive and it works really really well yeah. um so do you use the rsi to confirm the moves that you're seeing on price
2: um i i don't personally um i use it kind of like it's not really a, something i use to determine whether i'm going to go in or out of a trade it's it's more so just kind of like a background thing like I'll i'll yeah. trade based on the chart and then i'll kind of look at that and if it's you know, if it's fairly in line with what I'm thinking, then I'll be, you know, I'm like, okay, that's just a little bit more confirmation. But I mean, for me personally, even the, even if the RSI doesn't fully agree, that's not really going to have too much impact on my my style of trading. Oh, that's but super uh, interesting.
0: Yeah, that's just that's just me, anyways. Brennan, you got to um, show me an so, Ichimoku cloud one day.
1: Oh yeah, we definitely should do a whole session on that. Because it incorporates so much data and when you first see it, if you're not familiar with Ichimoku, it can be like a pretty daunting thing. But once you actually uh, get the hang of it, and you do the work, it's, um, it's incredible. There's just so many data points.
0: I spent the day just trying to learn the freaking names of the clouds. Like that's,
1: yeah, the that's names lot, of the clouds man. are interesting too. And it's not like, uh, like there, there's, there's some things that you use, like when moving averages cross and whatnot, but there's other things like, um, um, the CQ span, which is like the, um, like the lagging, lagging line. It's just really interesting how it uses, uh, previous data and it uses data in the future too versus a chart that like we use, we're all just looking at like the current data right now. Um, mm-hmm. So we can definitely get into that. But uh, Kaylin, I wanted to know what you, th- um, how your week was in terms of, you know, the short term trading and the small caps. It yeah, like I just,
2: you know, what, uh, just take a minute here to touch on um, like, a- I'm just, I'm not going to talk much about AMC cause we've already looked at this, you know, beaten this thing to death, but basically, you know, we all know that all the all the you know new small cap guys are kind of locked up in this thing right now right so we're we've gotten this like pretty ugly daily chart going on so like i mean this to me like yeah it could reverse and everything i i really don't know how much the 250 day moving average are going to play into a stock like this like i don't think that anybody's trading this thing really cares about those levels um but as far as i'm seeing it like overall it's still on the upside so i do i do kind of want to point that out like if you you know if you draw on this this line kind of right across, like we're still, you know, we're still uptrending here overall. So like this is still front side of the move. Um, shorter term, it's backside, like if you draw a steeper line. So overall though, like I, I wouldn't be shorting this thing personally until we got under this kind of trend line here. Like if we if we smashed right under that and we were kind of like into the 30 area, that's when I could just see this thing absolutely crumbling. Um, but until that happens, I'm not fully convinced it's over. But regardless, I think what happened is. Um, you know, last week we had this pretty significant sell off after hanging on for, you know, two, three weeks or whatever it was. And we were just seeing a lot of the, a lot of the really small cap, like super, super like low flow micro float stocks just going nuts again. Um, and to me, like anytime, you know, you can, you can almost watch the money flow in small caps because it's all the same people playing it. Right. So as soon as you see something like this, where, you know, a lot of people are in it selling off. Um, to me, that kind of you know that kind of alerts me to be a little bit more on guard when I'm shorting stuff. So you know, like I always say, front side versus back side. So basically, all you're doing you're just drawing a, a trend line up. And if you're on the front side of the move, you know you want to take front side covers, right? Because I'm predominantly a short seller, which basically means um, say you're looking at AMC for something like this. You know, I'd short here, say, and I'd just cover into the first wash, right? Like that's all you're looking for. Whereas on backside, like if I was shorting over here, I'd be shorting here and I'd be looking to cover like way the hell down here. Right. So if you're on the backside of the move, that's when you can really get big on size, really let the things fade, but front side of the move, you just got to be quick in and out. Um, so basically what I'm seeing here is, you know, we get this bit of a sell off and I kind of wanted to just show quickly here, like we, obviously we had a uh, new egg. Yeah, I was
1: about to say, New Egg had a very wild week. Funny story behind that one, but we're not going to get into it. But it was yeah. an absolutely face ripping rally. What was it on Wednesday? I believe the stock was up, what, like 148%?
2: Yeah, yeah something like that. We took off here, you know, 10 bucks, 11 bucks, and it pretty much went straight up to 70. Um, and, you
1: know, like, do you think that's going to be a bull flag, those last, like, two candles, um, or is it's, it just way up in the air? Because, yeah,
2: it's, it's really just up in the air. Like, you know, when I go to something like this, like if I go to like say a 30 minute candle, like that looks like right now that could go either way. Like if it breaks out, if it breaks out over top of this, I mean, that thing could just rip your face off and, you know, go up to a hundred bucks pretty easily. But if we break down below this, you know, this 44 area, then I think we're probably coming straight down to like 27.
1: So and I'm not so- a stock guy. But I think there's a good chance that this thing's going to break higher. I've just been so, um, like, astounded by what's happened in the markets this year. And I've come to the realization that I think that meme stocks is now just a thing in the markets. Like, there's a group of people that just want to gamble in the markets. And, you know, as you guys point out, they call themselves apes. And they don't really have a lot of respect for their money. But they just want to have a little bit of fun with Reddit and, uh, you know these online chat rooms. So it wouldn't be surprised me if Newegg is the, you know, the next, you know, little meme stock for the next little bit. Um, I've realized that anything is now possible because of the internet.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is just, you know, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, we've seen small caps for years and years. So it's not, it's not particularly new. I mean, we might, we might see the frequency of it going up and stuff like that. But um, the thing that, you know, I think a lot of the new traders, that's kind of why I wanted to point this out is, Is you know if you look at AMC, it's got like what a 500 million share float or something like that. Uh, It's like a legitimate company. All these kind of things. One of the things that you do really have to be careful about that I want to caution on these uh, these smaller stocks and stuff like that is I've seen it happen before. Is you know when you get these massive moves, the SEC on these really junky companies, you know the SEC can come in and they can halt these things pending investigation for months at a time. So that's, that's just kind of one thing I wanted to point out is like, I've seen these stocks do moves like this and then they'll get, you know, they get a day where it rips up and then it just halts and it might be three or four months later when it opens and it might open, you know, might close at 90 bucks and open at 80 cents. So So, I've seen
1: stocks get halted that never open again.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then you lose everything.
1: Yeah. I've seen a lot of stocks like that and I've seen a lot of people absolutely lose their shirts. They don't even have the opportunity to sell. They say, oh, I'll sell when it breaks this trend line or I have a stop loss in or whatever, but they don't even have the opportunity for that, which is really sad, but uh, I think we all need to recognize whatever you invest in, Warren Buffett has a quote on this actually, invest in companies that if they were closed for 10 years, you wouldn't be nervous about holding. Companies that you would really believe in that the market just was closed, that you'd be confident that when it opened that um, you would have a good investment there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's kind of why I wanted to bring this up. I don't you know, I don't want to say don't play these or anything. I just I just you know, just my own word of caution from doing these things for years is that, that that kind of stuff can happen. So like, you know, you never you never want to bet more than you're willing to lose every penny of it. Like if you can't afford to lose every penny that you just bet in a small cap, don't put your money down. Because it can happen and it's happened before, it'll happen again. Um the other thing I kind of wanted to show on this as well, um I think Carve was another good one that we had this week. Before um, we move on.
0: Did, was it? Did you guys mention in the chat what was the reason for that six hundred percent pump, or is it soft? Um,
1: no, there was... was a reason for it. Um, they either yeah. announced something new that they'd be selling.
2: Let's see if this opens up here. Um, Newegg offers on-demand assembly of custom PCs oh yes after.
1: yes that's exactly it because uh new you know i've ordered from there before yeah. you're able to order the computer parts right now they will um build the computer for you which is yeah. huge
0: but yeah so I, I could swear they've always been able to do that it's like might. 50 bucks yeah <laughs> well, well we, we, we were talking about we, we've we were just talking about that, parts we? and yes build them. yes yeah yeah, we, we talked actually, about that the other week how these these small cap companies will do that they'll be doing something for years or months and they'll just put out a
2: press release saying that they're doing it and then it just goes to the moon right but if you look in the filings you'll realize that they've been doing that forever but, but i, I
1: just... didn't know that they were doing it forever on a side note i actually do need a new pc i want to do a little bit of gaming and uh definitely now that new egg has the new nvidia 30 series cards <laughs> yeah. um, i'm definitely going to be buying a new nvidia card and uh, playing some games and probably ordering one from Newegg actually, so maybe, <laughs> that was. I don't know. Nice. Yeah, That's Brendan,
2: awesome. just like, look, I'm just noticing this here as well, just back to your point about whether or not uh, you think Newegg's gonna go up or down. If you look at this thing on the daily, right? Right here, you got the similar uh, similar kind of setup that we were seeing there, right? So if you look yeah. at that that sort of pattern, right? And then we go back to,
1: I no. I don't like just give it one second. I don't like how so Newegg has a really nice uh, bear uh, bullish confirmation on the RSI, but yeah. Carve on the daily has bearish divergence on the RSI. Okay. So that's just what I see. But that's a first yeah. Thing. But yeah, that looks in, like a bull flag to me on Newegg.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like if this thing if this thing snaps up, like you're gonna have a big big move to the upside, right? Um, so the, the tricky thing with these things though is is kind of why I wanted to bring this up as well. Just you know, word of warning, guess you could say. Um, just just something to keep in mind when you're trading these things. You know, you always want to kind of know the flow to these things. Um, that'll just it's just use it as a gauge about how quick they're going to move. Essentially, you know, something that's a billion share float is not going to move very fast. Something that's a hundred thousand share float will move like crazy, right? And so um, to get an idea of the real flow, because this is this is something you can use to your advantage. If you go to if you go to Filings Pro here, you know Filings Pro or Finviz. That's kind of probably what most people use to get their information. I like Filings Pro just because it's nice, like it's a little bit cleaner, a little bit more organized. Shows you all the you know whatever offerings and stuff they have down here. So if we go over to to Curve here for a second. So if you look on here, it says the floats you know half a you know 500,000 or whatever it is shares outstanding. You know gives you your market cap. You know short float on this thing is 50%. Institution owned, you know, fourteen um, percent. So you can get all that information from Finviz as well. You know, shares float here. I got it highlighted, showing the same short float. So showing the same. Um, but one thing you can do here is if you go over to like BAM SEC. This is a free website. I don't know if you guys have ever used this or not, but uh, I have a I have an account on it. But it, it is free. It will give you most of the information you need for free. So if you go, if you type in, you know, whatever ticker you're looking at. Um, you go to the most recent filing here, and then all you got to do is just control F, type in held by non-affiliates, and then, yeah, you can see it highlighting right there, held by non-affiliates. So it says right here, as of June 28, 2021, there was you know, 3.467 shares of common stock outstanding, right? So it's, you know, you look over here on, on Finviz and Filings Pro, it's saying, telling you there's half a million, but you check the filings, you this 3.5 right so you're you know the floats way way higher than everybody thinks it is and that that can play a big factor in how you're trading right whether you're long or short just to to give you a better idea of you know how this thing's moving how many people are short so that's that's just you know i just kind of wanted to point out that little
1: that's a really good resource man i think reading the filings and reading the prospectus, especially with these new ipos whatever it is one of the most useful things that you can do Because a lot of the data that you find on these like third-party apps, they're usually not accurate. And there's a lot of things that you can find out about, like insider holding and share lockups. Like you get into an IPO and you don't know that, like oh, on a certain day, two, three weeks from now, a bunch of executives have have a bunch of stock that they can just let go and just dump the market. And uh, as Kalen's saying, it's really important to know the uh, um, the share count, like the free trading share count. Because it's both a blessing and a curse. Like if a stock is in an uptrend and like, or there's really good positive news or like a nice press release, you know, a little bit of buying can send that stock soaring 10, 20%. But if there's bad news, that stock can just tumble and go right through support. And uh, with the large caps, you don't get that because they are so liquid and there's so many shares out there. But it's really good. I think it adds to like the credibility that there's so many shares, there's so many holders, it's super liquid. You can sell, you know, if you want to sell a, a share of Apple or a share of Amazon, you can do that in a second.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's why it's so important to watch for volume on these things too, right? Because once they start to thin up, you can get trapped and you can't get out of your positions. That's All right, do you, do you want to talk about moon mining then? Or? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, why don't we end it on moon guys, I love it.
2: yeah Yeah. smooth
0: (laughs) but uh no i just thought so i'm still digging into this thing but um i just thought this is a really good example of um how easily things can be dismissed but then when you read into it you're like oh there's something there because i think me and you brendan we've talked about um our our feelings about kathy kathy woods and arc invest and then we questioned some of her her decisions (laughs) the big one was space mining asteroid mining right we thought like that like this is like some star Trek stuff,
1: yeah, it's way into the future, uh, we thought,
0: yeah, and then it, yeah, and I didn't even know where the technology was, but then I started reading up on Starlink and it led me to SpaceX, and it led me to a whole bunch of I just went down the um you know, Alice in Wonderland there, and I found out that it's actually it's actually conceivable to be mining an asteroid um, within a decade um there is a there's so there's a giant asteroid Sam, if you could oh can't show the Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So there's a giant asteroid called Psyche. Uh, it's in our solar system, and it's the um it's the it's the heart of a dead planet, basically. So when a planet dies, all the all the um the metals compress into the, the center of the heart, right? So it just becomes this giant hunk of um of alloys. And so there's let me let me see if we can pull it up, but I think it's like um 80-something percent uh, steel, iron, just the common stuff that we use, but there's still there's still tons. millions of tons of really rare stuff like platinum and so this thing is about 185 kilometers in diameter and it is massive and it's like if you were to do an exercise and you value this thing you're buying it at two cents per kilogram this thing is worth over five quadrillion dollars five hundred thousand quadrillion
1: dollars it's like it's off the charts (laughs) i don't i don't even know how to process that number yeah, like why do I, you even call five hundred thousand? How many zero is that? Like twenty?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think my iPhone will do that calculation.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um but so like what makes it feasible is like so okay, so we have the resource there, we know it's there. So what makes it feasible is the fact that um there's a company called Relativity and they're like a SpaceX competitor, but they've they're they're refining the the ability to um 3D print engines. They're printing uh, rocket engines and then um, they're they're So their plan is to not only uh, print the rocket engine, but to print the whole cargo ship on the way back too. So the the whole idea is you just need a ship with propellant and a printer. That's all you need to get to that asteroid. And then whatever you need from there, you, you have the resources to make, is that, that the whole asteroid is basically metals, right? It sounds
1: like Minecraft. That's so
2: <laughs> like, I literally, I just picture like a bunch of guys sitting around. So like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a printer. We're going to send it up to this rock in the space, and then we're going to get it to make machines up there from the stuff on the rock and then send it back to earth. Everybody's like, I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> that's,
0: that's the crazy part. They're actually doing it. And like, um, so, so, so this is like how, how far ahead the crazy engineers, these space engineers think, right? So uh, SpaceX has a, has a, has an engine called Raptor. It's like, One of the most advanced engines on the planet it could do a couple things that no other engine can um including it has like the record for the amount of pressure it can hold and so like if an engine has a lot of pressure then you have a lot of lift and that's what you need right but it also runs on methane which is not what rocket engines usually run on and the reason they chose methane um, was because this rocket is meant to take um, go to mars and so if you and mars has a lot of methane um it's actually it's got a lot of co2 so if you add, if you add um h2o and co2 together there's two processes where you can turn it into methane and so they're like we again, we, we just need enough fuel to go one way <laughs> we are going to go there <laughs> synthesize what we need and come back
2: that's i love it man that's the future's awesome
0: yeah what what are your thoughts on uh, starlink cuz i know you're going to be a customer soon
2: uh i don't know until i get it <laughs> No, I think it's really good. I mean, like, the you know, like you guys were asking me, like, why I wanted to get it kind of thing, because I have, um, like, uh, I just have net right now. It's just kind of like our, you know, just like a standard one around here. Bell was useless out here. They're going to charge me like, what was it? It was going to be like $120 a month. And then if I went over 60 gigabytes, it was like another dollar per gigabyte over that or something like that. So these guys are unlimited high speed. Like, you know, I'm streaming with you guys. My wife's watching Netflix in the next room. I'm in the middle of the country, like I'm just on satellite and they're 40 bucks a month. Um, so I'm gonna get the, I'm gonna get Starlink as well. And the reason I wanted to do that was just because um, for like trading and stuff like that is I wanna set up like a home, uh, like virtual private network, like a home VPN. And then what you can do is you can wire, you know, two or three internet sources. So I could have like my my LTE for my cell phone, I can have Explornet, and then I can have Starlink all linked into this one VPN that connects to my computer. And that way, if any one of those systems gets knocked out for whatever reason, it, it'll just keep seamlessly streaming data, it'll just pull on the other systems immediately. So that's kind of the reason that I want to get it, um, it's just kind of like for another backup. Otherwise, like, yeah, I'd probably just, I'd probably, to be honest, just stick with ExploreNet, because it's actually, it's like better than I thought it was gonna be, I guess. But yeah, it's just kind of a, it's just kind of a redundancy thing, right? Because like, obviously, like I live in the country, I, I don't have any hardwired internet, right? So if you get like a, a big storm or something rolls in or like a snowstorm or something like that, it could kick it off. So having some, some redundancies is, is what a lot of the guys, like I, I did a lot of research and you know, there's tons of guys that are traders and stuff. They live out in the country and they're like, yeah, you know, I just have three or four different internet sources that all just run into my computer. And that way, you know, I can unplug one and my, my computer just keeps running seamlessly. So Brendan, I wanted to ask,
0: cause I think a lot of people are thinking this, I know I am like, So they're talking about spinning off Starlink and then doing an IPO with it. I guess, I guess, what are some of the things you would want to look at um, if you're looking to invest in that thing?
1: I really couldn't even tell you. I don't understand the business fundamentally. I haven't done enough digging there. I think it would be a long time because I know that SpaceX did a uh, private round of funding. What was it? About a year ago. Um, I believe it was what a $40 billion market cap.
0: I think My they're project. up to 70 now they might be up to
1: 70, 70 now but, okay yeah but so still, maybe yeah maybe another one um but there's just yeah there's just a lot that i would have to look at and i'd have to really understand the industry and uh until then yeah there's really not much that i can say on that oh no that's
0: that's that's great sorry ken
1: no i was just gonna say like for me i just like the i just kind of like
2: the idea of it because like i know even you know, like we're it's 2021 here like even my parents like they live like they live just outside the city like you can literally walk to the city from my parents house, but they have a big property like they're in the country so they don't have. You know they don't have hardwired Internet or anything like that, and they they literally just as of I think only like a year ago, maybe a little bit more were able to get high speed bell satellite so still not hardwired. And, you know like and they're they're literally right outside the city so like to me it just kind of you know if starlink is going to be one of those things where they're able to take over like you know when you think like oh we're going to just do rural areas it's not like you know rural like there's a couple people up in the mountains like you know there's there's whole cities of you know hundreds of thousands of people that are rural so it's it's a pretty big market that they can capture and i just think that like with the prices that he's offering you know unlimited high speed internet versus like Bell or Rogers or you know any of the other big names that are out here, it's it's not even in the same wavelength as far as being close to competitive. So like I think as soon as that comes around and as soon as they have the capacity to you know set up like like get their whole business model sorted out nicely, get enough customers up and running, I think that they're they're I just don't see them not wiping out Rogers and Bell as far as as, as rural internet goes.
1: So going back to your question, David, uh, like I can't really talk about it um, industry specific or company specific, but like things that I would look at is I would Mm -hmm. definitely want to look at like the addressable market and to see how big that market is. I would want to see revenue and I'd want to see revenue growth. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if I would want to see profitability because one, I don't think it's necessary at that point of the business, Uh, but like two, like would tesla or spacex or whoever owns it would they still own a stake like are they kind of like piggybacking on them because then profitability i think would be less important um and i would just want to look at the competitive landscape like how many other people are doing this and i'd want to look at like management and i would want to look at ownership like who actually owns the shares there's a lot of things that i look at and it literally would be like Reading through a hundred and sixty five page prospectus, and just doing all the digging there, and I would want to uh, hear the corporate presentation, and I'd want to, you know um, just do more research on that. And I'd want to really understand it. but I think revenue and uh, addressable market would be the two things that would be the most important to me personally
0: no, i I, I like that. I like that you said, um you want to know this company because so I think that's uh, that's a part that a lot of people miss. Like, mm-hmm. you really want to deeply know this company, right? I think I think one of the Buffett's examples is like, you know, you're buying a share. As a shareholder, you're technically an owner of this company, right? So if I came to you, Kaylin, and I'm like, I have a restaurant idea. It's like, you know, let me, let me get like $40,000. You would you would really grill me, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, for right? sure. Well, that, that was one of the things that you taught me, David, at the very start. Like, because when I was first getting into investing, like, before we started this show, you know, I was asking you, like, you know, what do you look at in a company? Are you looking at their financial statements and this and that? And you're like, you're like, well, yeah, a little bit, but not really. You're like, I just, I want to know the CEO. I want to know how the business runs. I want to know what their factories look like. Like, I want to know, I want to know the the actual physical business, right? And like, uh, that's, I think that's a really, really key thing that both of you guys are kind of touching on is really understanding the business itself. Like who's who's running it? Who's in charge? How is it operating? You know, how are the employees? Like just all that, all that really like, you know, down to earth kind of stuff that actually makes the company run is kind of what, you know, I've gathered anyways, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is what, what both of you kind of look at as is, is sort of probably one of your main indicators when investing in a company.
0: Yeah, I, I wanted to mention well, some I'll- stuff to Brendan, see how if he um, he would view these things. Yeah. Um, so, so like a few things I learned about SpaceX or, or Starlink in particular, is like they have some technological advantages, right? So I did look up some competitors and there was a, a bunch of Google, former Google employees that raised a few billion dollars to try to uh, launch a competitor long before Starlink. And they failed miserably because they had one missing factor, which is the rockets, which is what, um, SpaceX has. Right. So when they launch their rockets, they're paying, I think $5 million per rocket. That's the cost of building the rocket and to piggyback on the ship to get to go into orbit um and they're doing five at a time um spacex is doing 80 at a time with their own rockets which are reusable and so it costs them less than a a million dollars total so i would just for you that would would that be like a sufficient competitive advantage that that would would make you want to look more into this company like this is there's something there
1: potentially but let me ask you who owns starlink is it 100 percent wholly owned by spacex
0: no, they um they have a lot of early investors. But I think Google is actually quite a large shareholder. They're, they're think, okay, I think they I yeah so
1: I definitely want to look at the ownership structure. I think that would be probably the most important thing because if yeah. there's a lot of big names and big people behind this, then that would be interesting. I just I don't see the reason right now in them going iPO Um, yeah. probably not even for a while unless you have more insight on that. um yeah elon's just mentioned
0: one thing he's like he because he, he gets asked that a lot and he said he doesn't want an ipo until they're profitable yeah
1: yeah which which to me doesn't make sense because most ipos that you see you know in SPACs yeah. coming on the market are nowhere near profitable and that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me too because they have so much financial backing like why would they want to um basically jeopardize their revenue and their revenue growth and growing as a company just for the sake of being profitable. For me, that doesn't make any sense. I would rather a company focus on growth than focus on turning a profit.
0: I, I think what he was meaning to do was he wanted to spin off Starlink as its own separate entity. So he wanted to, that to be profitable, and that's it's a, it's a separate business. And SpaceX will still focus on going to Mars. So I think he wants to separate
1: two like businesses backwards honestly i feel like i'd rather just grow space or um starlink in the best yeah. way that i could uh but you know that's elon and he has his own plans and i'm sure he has a lot of uh very smart and uh very uh large pocketed investors whispering in his ear too so um i'm i'm sure he's on the right track there
0: yeah i just um i'm gonna keep digging into this thing because i'm like Ah, uh, really related really yeah. to this stuff. But, I,
1: um, I really want you to, because we've discussed about doing like an entire episode. If we could do like a thirty to yeah. forty-five minute uh, sort of uh, episode, and sort of feature that, and we can make it real cool. Maybe we'll show like some videos or something on your screen, whatever is available. I think that'd be awesome.
0: Yeah. What do you What are you thinking? I think so. Maybe the idea is this: I'll, I'll I'll gather my research and I'll gather my thesis, and then I'll basically present my thought process for like an investment in the in the show, and you guys can add your commentary and criticisms and whatnot. I think
2: that would be yeah. pretty useful. Yeah, I think that'd be great. I'm really interested to hear what you have to say on that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah and I think I, there's I, a lot of other people out there that want to hear about new, unique businesses, especially uh, when it pertains to, like, space and uh, connectivity and all that. Uh, you know, we're seeing... Um, like Richard Branson go to space, Jeff Bezos and and everything else, like, you know, it's it's like this new frontier, like people are very excited, like you're talking about mining asteroids, and we're talking about, you know, going to new planets and colonizing Mars. And, you know, everyone's getting so excited about like UFO sightings, and like, potentially, like, um, intelligent life out there, like, definitely, um a lot of exciting things in space and there's probably going to be some investments there like i wouldn't be surprised if there's a a bubble in the future something really similar to cannabis and similar to crypto where people are like getting into space companies and we have these like space companies just going ipo like every day and like if you have the word space in your company name like oh, your company goes no. like a thousand percent like i could see a future where that happens i know it's really like um bold to say but could happen. Yeah, I'm going to
0: make a note, episode
1: 27.
0: <laughs> we're we're yeah. going to flip back and we're going to be like, you nailed it.
2: Yeah. What was, uh, what was it, what, David, what was that one back in the Bitcoin days that they changed their name to, it was, uh, it was like a tea company. Long and Island IT. Yeah. And they true. changed it a lot, like blockchain. Long ways.
1: Island Blockchain. And yeah. Was, that, was, and that, that, was that was my true. favorite one. That was a- most as you possibly could the other one is eastman kodak which like yes like, DK, yeah. like one of the biggest companies in the world like it was on the dow yeah. um like photography was a big business i i guess you know david you'd know more about that but i guess before everything went digital and they changed their name to what i don't even know what um yeah, they, similar kind of thing they just threw blockchain kodak coin that was it yeah yeah <laughs> Those are my
2: favorite, man. I love those. Those are the best. Long Island Ice Tea, Long Island Blockchain.
1: Well, it's funny because these things, they're like kind of the canary in the coal mine. Like when these things happen, you know that it's a bull at peak. Um, yeah. yeah enthusiasm. Like I remember telling people when Coinbase went IPO, I said, this is peak crypto right yeah. now. Not to say there's not going to be another crypto bull market, but for the time being like this, um, Intermediate cycle like top for sure and that's exactly what happened. So, you know, you gotta really not let the uh enthusiasm of the crowds, the madness of the crowds, as they say, really affect your thinking. And uh we're good that we all uh keep each other in line here. Uh so um yeah. Yeah, I think uh
0: I think that's a good way to end end, and uh end the today's episode. Thanks so Um, we got a lot of good information here.
2: For sure. We'll be back in uh, five years with all of our uh, small cap space names.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, to the, to the moon. I already cried.